0: greetings. You're on Deep Background for July 13th, 2017. Dave Helling with the Kansas City Star. Great to be with you for this podcast. Joining us is a rare guest, (laughs) Sam Mellinger of the Kansas City Stars Sports Department and a great columnist and a good friend, and it's great to have you here. This is, um, it's it's a poorly kept secret in political journalism that most people who write about politics would really like to write about sports. That's their thing. I don't know if that's true the other way. <laughs> no, <laughs> if I'm works. happy to
1: stay out of it, especially these days.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but not completely. I'll, let, because I'll you, let you
1: guys do the real work. Yeah,
0: but, but, but you have written a little bit about yeah. the airport. Uh-huh. So, um, and I think it's all interesting and important. So, summarize, Sam, for us. What, what, you, you think, in essence, we need a new airport, but it, There's nothing wrong with the one we have. Is that a good way to summarize it? Yeah, in
1: some ways. uh, First of all, thanks for having me. It's it's good to talk about some stuff that that might actually matter in the world. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so I believe – I love our airport. Uh, My entire goal when I travel is to spend the least amount of time possible at the airport. And in that way, KCI is my best friend. Um, You know, you can park that circle parking, which – a little bit more expensive than the economy, but if you're only gone for a day or two, uh, works perfectly. Even the economy, you can get in and out real quick. I just, I love the in and out. I don't care about eating you know, behind security right, right. and all of that. So um, I, I love the airport for the convenience. But uh, if you listen to the airlines and other people talk about it, it's absolutely inevitable. The inefficiencies, uh, I know the bad claim is terrible. Right. Uh, there, there's other things that are, you know, running the airport costs way more money right now than it needs to. Uh, the, the the three terminal horseshoe design is, is outdated. There's no centralized, You know, all, the, all that stuff. Um, so it's inevitable that we'll get a new terminal. And so from my point of view, let's just get it done. Get it done now so that we can focus our collective institutional energy and intellect to things that will actually improve life in Kansas City my my big I'm sorry uh, one one more point my big um, uh, I, I didn't want a new terminal in the beginning my big beef was that if it's going to cost a billion dollars. Like, l- let's put a billion dollars towards schools or roads or, you know, some right. things that will actually improve life in Kansas City. But that's not how it works. That's not how that money is 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 brought in. Uh, we can't use that revenue for, for other things. So if it has to be for a terminal, let's just get it done and, and move on with improving yeah, Kansas let, City.
0: Let me go back to convenience. Yeah. Which, because I think that's one of the things that the election will really turn on, this idea of whether or not this is a good place to fly into uh-huh. and out of. Um. You've been, obviously, to lots of airports. Uh You travel for your work. Mm -hmm. Is Kansas City's airport exponentially more convenient for you than almost any other airport in in the country? I mean, obviously, there are newer terminals. You would think they would engineer some sort of convenience uh, into those facilities. You're suggesting that's not the case.
1: For a hometown airport, and I think that's an important distinction, I think for a hometown airport, KCI is... If not uniquely, it is rarely convenient. And and I understand the, the very narrow scope that I'm talking with here because um, I've got two young kids now. Uh, when we travel as a family, yeah. KCI is not convenient. Well,
0: that's a, such an important point because, and again, as we get into the campaign, convenience can be defined in a lot of different ways. Your
1: convenience is something I don't care about. My right. convenience is something Back you don't care way. about. And, yep. and,
0: and in addition to that... Yeah designing a new terminal is almost uh, inevitably a compromise f- to, to satisfy as many people as possible yep. and what you sometimes end up with is a design that doesn't make anyone happy that mm-hmm. it's a little more inconvenient for almost everyone maybe mm-hmm. that's what's happening in other airports i mean yeah. that's
1: certainly a danger it is it is i mean i part of this isn't you know a, a deal maker for me at all but part of my support for a new terminal is that Kansas City, Kansas City ends are so attached to the airport that they have now in a lot of ways and because of that convenience that I do believe that a, a big emphasis in the design will be put on convenience. And if, if airports are, are reflective of the cities that they're in, then KCI should be convenient. And it, you know, the, another thing that I've always thought about Kansas City, and I love Kansas City for, for a million reasons, it is one of the most convenient places in the country to live. And people in Kansas City, often we get spoiled by that convenience. And if, right. if, if anything goes awry, we, we we tend to freak out. And so with that in mind, I do believe that the new terminal will be built as absolutely convenient as possible and then there are look like uh i think indianapolis has a good airport um you know there's Which other is relatively like, new yes the, the new yes. terminal but yeah. there's others you know i think minneapolis is is kind of a pain i don't know why they have two different terminals and the car rentals difficult there uh, i think denver's airport is brutal i right. f- hate denver's airport
0: it's one of now the most of inconvenient that, right now part of that of course is because of the amount of traffic i yes. mean we let's face it you can't really compare kci to atlanta sure or dallas or absolutely. denver those, those are more active, more hub like airport. Yes.
1: Um, but the, uh, the, yes. And the thing about Denver though, too, people think KCI is far away from da- downtown. You know, Denver's airport is right, you right. Know, just oh. remotely near yes, Denver. Yeah. Um, you know, as long as KCI has, like most smaller, newer airports, um, it'll have centralized security, obviously. But I, we shouldn't have to get on a train like you do in Denver to then go to your terminal. You know, that's the kind of thing that right. I think people in Kansas City would would lose their minds. Right. And I bet
0: you have a nickel that if you said it once, you've said a hundred times to people who complain about KCI, if you think that's bad, you uh-huh. ought to go through LAX, uh-huh. you ought to go through LaGuardia. Uh-huh. I mean, it, it, and part of that is because people don't really realize this about KCI, but because of the configuration that it is in, there are many more security checkpoints yep. than there uh, at KCi than there are at almost any other airport yep. in the country you're much more funneled in to mm-hmm. one or two you know huge security magnetometer x-ray mm-hmm. machine facilities Kansas City because it has so many gates that are so disparate so that's why it's convenient you know because Mm -hmm. you have something that no other airport has yes you're gonna have to lose that we
1: Uh, will lose that and and some of that and i understand this from people we talked about like what's convenient for me you may not care about uh you know i have you know the expedited boarding not right you know so so the long lines don't bother me as much but i like that the those lines are close to where i park like that you know that's my big thing but the lines are going to be longer um but what what's going to be more convenient is a line 100 people deep at that southwest gate you know that's you know gates 35 through 40 or whatever it is can take you 20 minutes 25 minutes something like that a line 100 deep with centralized security may only take you five or ten because you can move you know there'll be more gates and all that stuff the the other thing that i really believe about this airport is um it's and i keep saying airport terminal um I hope to god that as many people are possible know when that terminal is built and it is when not if when that terminal is built there's going to be people who talk about a boon for the economy and you know this is right. great this is going to revolutionize kansas city and that is c- complete bs to me yeah, in the I same agree. way I, that new right. stadiums when you know those yes. economic impact studies are complete bs yes like let's that's not going to happen
0: right and the whole idea that let's build it because we'll get more flights that's always driven by traffic and yes. demand not whether you've got glass terminals or brick yes. and mortar terminals. Yes. I agree with that completely. And I also agree with you what you've written a little bit uh, Sam that the idea that it's unwelcoming and dark is, you know, that it, it's a much more utilitarian structure that it doesn't have yes. to be uh, a gorgeous bow arts, you yes. know, type of thing. On the other hand, uh, I, I always like to apply what I call the Bob Llewellyn rule. I don't know if you ever knew Bob, but he, he was on the city council. And one time when I was in television, I was doing a story about Kemper. And it was uh, costing a million dollars more than the you know, taxpayers were going to have to bail it out or whatever the story was. And I, I went in to interview him, and he said, you know, look, sometimes you just want nice things. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes you have to pay for things that you want that are nice that don't necessarily have a utilitarian uh, object. I, do you agree with that? I mean, do you can you at least yes. see that argument that yes. let's have a great airport if we can?
1: A hundred percent. But here, here, here's my analogy for that. If you're a 45, 55-whatever-year-old man and you buy a brand-new Corvette, Don't tell me it was a good investment. No, Tell me that you just wanted it and you want to drive fast, you want to put the top down. Don't tell me that it's going to help your economic situation. That's why you would make
0: a great political reporter, because there is the (laughs) okey-doke. You know, it's, well, let's do this, let's do the other thing. It drives me crazy. And it makes it difficult for people to make an informed decision sometimes.
1: A new airport terminal is not going to land Fortune 500 companies. Nobody is going to visit Kansas City because the airport's nicer. Or move or to Kansas City yes, because that, you have a new airport. That doesn't yeah. exist. And it's going to drive me. It, it already drives me bonkers when I hear people say that's why we need an airport, right. a, a new terminal. And it's going to drive me bonkers once it's built. And people talk about talk about that. I, if anything, it's going to help Kansas City because it's going to get people to stop. You know, let's just move past this issue, which well, is absolutely
0: inevitable. Right. And so let's wrap up our conversation with that idea that, that if you're going to do it, why wait another 10 years, go through this mess all over yep. again, but now it's going to cost you a billion and a half or two yep. billion. I actually share that view. At some point, you do have to say, okay, this has outlived its usefulness, mm-hmm. and we need to think about either completely rehabbing it or yep. doing something new. We, we had a conversation on the editorial board today about all the problems at the Jackson County Jail.
1: Yes. And at some point, right. you
0: go, look, c- c- yeah. you know, do we need to rehab this? Or do you say, look, w- the time has come. And the airport is extraordinarily, not for business reasons, but important because it has so many functions. It puts a million people. It's not like Kaufman Stadium. There are a million people a month who come and go. So I share your view that, that maybe now the time has come. On the other hand, taxpayers in this community, and you're right, it's not general taxpayers at the airport, but it is flyers. It is yep. businesses. Someone's uh, going to pay the cost. It isn't free. Have been asked to do sewers. Their water bills are through the roof. An eight hundred million dollar bond issue. They may be asked uh, about a new jail. Uh, you know, out of towners have done the Sprint Arena, a new airport, and then you know we're we've got a decision on the stadiums that is not imminent, but it's coming. You know, and and you could certainly see an argument in ten years that hey, now is the time to do a new Arrowhead or to do a new Truman. Because we made the same argument about the airport. Do you think those are analogous in any way? I mean, or or, or is there a point, Sam, where citizens say, okay, enough. We just can't, you know, we can't do all these infrastructure things. We just don't have the money to do it. Uh, I think you are unintentionally getting
1: into an enormous, like, pet topic with me, which is uh, public support for uh, professional sports stadiums. And we
0: just—I just wrote the thing about the T-bones, which was you know that yeah. you may have noticed they've yep. had to be bailed out yet again, yeah. and amazingly, the T-bones owner said in essence, "I've been subsidizing this uh-huh. for the good of the community," uh-huh. which gets it backwards in my yes. Day. The
1: the gumption, the gall of billionaire professional sports team owners who run foolproof businesses, the gall of them to ask for hundreds of millions of dollars to help them build a stadium so that they can charge 12 dollars for a bud light to make more money off of 50
0: bucks to park is
1: incredible to me yes and and the idea uh, that, that taxpayers approve it based mostly on fear of losing that team is infuriating to me and if if you want to talk about like public financing for for stadiums, that that's going to be a longer podcast, and probably not something we should we <laughs> right, should do. And we right don't now. need to settle
0: it right away, but yeah. but the, uh,
1: no that'll be an issue. I, I think. The, but the other leases... thing that's
0: important to keep in mind, though, is that the public's enthusiasm for sports stadiums is dwindling dramatically, uh-huh. very quickly. States of yep. in essence, California said nope, we're yep. not giving you any help. The Rams left St. Louis uh-huh. because the state of Missouri said just uh-huh. don't look to us anymore. Uh-huh. The idea that local communities for good or for ill are going to have to make important decisions on stuff like this is is not tomorrow but it's close it's close
1: yeah the leases go through i, I don't want to double check it but i think it's like 2031 yeah something like that so they got about 14 more years usually these things start to get talked about Somewhere five to ten years. Right, uh, because like it takes to four to
0: five out, years to build, design, yeah. get tax approvals, all the other My stuff. My thought, so. what I
1: hope happens, is that uh, the chiefs stay where they are, and they'll they'll rehab, you know, uh, they'll renovate Arrowhead. It'll be, you know, there'll be certain things in 14 years that they need, um, and I'd like the Royals to be downtown.
0: Yeah, and you're, you're not the only one, yeah. and I would <laughs> argue with you on that, primarily for two reasons. Again, we don't want to spend the whole podcast on this, first of all, I don't buy the economic development argument for mm-hmm. stadiums like you don't buy it for the airport. Mm-hmm. I just don't. Mm-hmm. If if stadiums were a great driver of economic development, Truman Sports Complex would be crowded with bars and other things, and nothing. That Taco really. Bell doesn't. That's man. right, in a hotel across <laughs> the street. So I don't buy that argument. But more importantly, the cost is going to be enormous, Sam. It's just going to be enormous. You you look, 15 years down the road. It will easily cost a billion and a half dollars just to build a new stadium for the yeah. Royals. And my experience has always been that the Chiefs want whatever the Royals get and vice versa. I mean, they really there is really a competition with, well, with the I correct you so. only
1: to say I think the
0: Chiefs want like twice what the Royals yeah, well, get. Well, it could be. But <laughs> yeah, parity is important yes. for both yep. clubs. Yep. So now you're talking $3 billion maybe in 10 mm-hmm. or 15 years four sports franchises, that's almost unfathomable for this community. For me, and and again, to me, it the last package was six hundred million. Yeah, it, this would be five times as big.
1: Again, the 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 idea that um, that Clark Hunt and whoever—I don't mean right, to be right. morbid—but David right, Glass right, is eighty some years old. Right. Whoever owns the and Royals, Glass maybe yeah, the Glass, the Glass family, the Glass family um, will ask for and likely receive billions of dollars of support to open businesses where they can overcharge people and and make even more money is infuriating to me in my yeah. utopian view this would be uh, you know baseball saying we have it's a nine or ten billion dollar industry now it'll be I double know, that 15 20 right. yeah um uh, by you know 2030 or whatever um Build it on your own. Um, you'll you'll get your money back. Again, it's a foolproof business. Right. And I just think it'd be more fun. I'm, I'm not even talking necessarily about. I, That's I think, the Llewellyn rule. You know, it's yes, something it would be something nice. 100%. to have. And and I think that uh, I do think that um, you know if you talk to whoever owns the bar across the street from where Kauffman Stadium would be built. They're going to make some more money. Yeah, be there is going to be some 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 economic driving, but you know, there's displacement theory and all that stuff. I'm not right, saying right, it's right, going right. to you know revolutionize the Kansas City economy. It'd just be more fun. That's the last I time just... you
0: heard a sports reporter talk about displacement. <laughs> I, that's amazing. At least it is, it doesn't apply to knees or shoulders or whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, so let's let's uh, trade places once again and talk yeah. about sports because hey, I watch baseball and football yeah. like everyone else, um, I think it's boring. Uh to talk about whether the Royals should sell Uh or buy, because that's been worked over repeatedly. But let's assume for discussion that they sort of stay intact and they keep the core people that they're going to lose anyway, and whatever happens this year happens. In your mind, who is the one essential person, if they were going to re-sign just one, Mm -hmm. who who would that be? Is it Mike Moustakis? Is it uh, Eric Hosmer? Is it Lorenzo Cain? I think we can agree that that uh, Alcides Escobar will sign here for a lot less money, or go somewhere else. But of those three, maybe maybe a, a pitcher or somebody, um, you know, who who do, who's the essential person to keep if you can keep one? If you could keep one, um, regardless of price, right? Uh,
1: I I think Eric Hosmer. Oh, that's interesting. I do. Um, I think Lorenzo Cain is the best player on the team, the best all-around player on the team. And um, but I also think that he's going to be thirty-two. In April, and I think that his value as a baseball player goes down as his defense goes down, and especially as he probably at some point in his next contract will have to move to right field and no longer play center field. Um, I love Mike Moustakis. Um I think he's important in some
0: intangible ways. Um, but I, I think just... Lorenzo Cain is too, by the way. Yes, yeah, he's an extraordinarily yes. important. Part absolutely,
1: of the absolutely. But I think that Hosmer um, is the most just purely talented hitter. If if there's a player on that roster right now um, who in the next three to five years is going to have a top five or top ten MVP voting kind of season, I think Eric Hosmer, if he can uh, develop the power and get a little bit more loft on the ball, I think he's the guy. And I also think that he is, again, like for some intangible reasons, I think that he is probably, if you had to pick one, and, and look, one of the Royals' biggest strengths in the last four years of them being good has been that they don't rely on just one guy. But if you had to pick just one, uh, I, I think Hosmer is the guy in the clubhouse. Yeah, I now really my, I would But just, they're all,
0: you can make a really good case oh, for all them. No elephant. question, no question. My own view is, if you go through the year and you think you're going to have to rebuild and you can only keep one, which means you probably won't compete in the years a, a, ahead, then you keep Lorenzo Kane because you're going to be able to get, you know, he's going to quit eventually more quickly than others. Well, yeah, a, he'll a, have a shorter contract. A sh- shorter contract yeah. and a shorter contract turnaround to whoever the new center fielder is going to be. No, I in think in that's it. true. Yeah. A- and the other thing about Lorenzo Cain, which I think is important, has nothing to do really with performance. It is intangible. It, you know, the Royals don't have a lot of African-American players. They Nobody just in baseball don't. does. <laughs> and, right. Yeah. And so, you know, he's an incredibly important, I don't want to say role model, but he's a certain, you know, he's an important cog in that way on the Royals, he too, is. I think. There, there's no question. And
1: yeah, I, I guess I'm thinking of it just purely baseball. Right. I'm, um, I'm poli- and, politics and, comes in and, again. <laughs> and, no, I mean, you're talking about like uh, marketing a little bit, some business, right. and, and, and all that stuff's important. I'm also and, – and you, if you're talking about Lorenzo Cain, say he gets a uh, – Josh Reddick signed a four-year, $52 million contract with the Astros. May, if Lorenzo Cain gets that contract – uh, four years, $52 million. I think that that is doable for a major league. And, baseball re- team. and
0: reasonable and for the Royals. Yeah. And particularly if you're losing Hosmer and yep. you're losing Mustakis.
1: Hosmer will probably get a contract at least five years and as much as eight, I think. So you're right. You're right the financial commitment at, would be at 20
0: average probably yeah. for Hosmer. Yeah. Yeah. 150, 160. Uh,
1: but the replacements, um, I don't know if somebody's going to way overpay for Gerard Dyson. But they could bring him back. Gerard Dyson will be a free agent at the end of the season. Uh, They could bring him back at a price much lower than Lorenzo Cain. And they also, somebody, a lot of people listening to this are about to laugh and call me an idiot, and I'm going to say it anyway. But Bubba Starling could be an option in center field for the Royals very soon. He's hitting, finally. And it's it's less than, you know, it's been basically since May 1st. So uh, May, June, July, about two and a half months. Um, but he is actually hitting, and the people who watch him a lot say that he is as good or better a defensive player than Lorenzo Cain right right now. Which which is huge. Lorenzo Cain's a spectacular defensive player. He's not as good as he was two years ago, by the way, but he's still a spectacular defensive player. And if Bubba Starling can hit a little bit, now you're going to get Bubba Starling a spectacular defensive player, and whatever you're going to get offensively, you're going to get that at $550,000 with six – and a half, years seven of years of,
0: of club control right, right.
1: versus Lorenzo Kane at
0: 452. I think the reason or that most people are worried about Kane is <clears throat> the Alex Gordon experience, yeah, where yeah. you pay that kind of money and then the performance just drops off the end of the table yeah. at a similar age. I mean, they were roughly the same age yeah. when, when this. So I think people are scared of it that yep. way. But, uh, you know, do, you th- do do we really think Mike Moustakis is going to hit 40 homers every year? No, going forward,
1: he – if you remember last year um, –
0: He was on a pretty good pace, no was. question about it. And
1: and that was after a hand injury, too. People talk about the knee, and that was, you know, obviously the biggest thing. But he uh, – what was his wrist or thumb or something that he hurt earlier in, in that season, and he was out for a while. Um, I think Mike Wiestakis – I've always believed this about Moose, that um, his swing and approach is such that he's going to have uh, bigger – streaks both good and bad than a lot of players he's kind of a hit the ball in the air to right field right, kind right. of guy and I understand he's going to the opposite way a little bit more this year but um, that's kind of his
0: game plus and he's not a bad defender yeah third no he's base. a good defender I mean, he's
1: yeah. um, let's just say it for what it is he's gonna have to lose some weight yeah um, if he wants to stay at that position I'm and stay as good as he's been yes but you know to, but he if he's your first baseman You know, he's on pace right now for, I think, 47 home runs. If you have a first baseman that hits 40 home runs a year, you can deal with that. Right, and you could see him
0: as a DH more than you could, say, Eric Hosmer. Because you do want power in the DH position, I think, particularly in the current game. You know, the biggest disappointment probably about Eric Hosmer is his lack of power, really. Yeah,
1: he's more of a—his best season, you think, is going to be hitting, I don't know, 310— or so with with some walks because he he right. does um not a ton but with, with some. And a bunch of doubles and yeah 45 doubles and, and 18 20, homers yeah yeah something like that and moose is going to hit um you know 260 but he might get 40 45 home runs especially i mean he's doing this um at coffin stadium and you yeah. know coffin stadium is one of you know course fields out there in safe co but it's one of the biggest ballparks. And if you look at, um, I don't know how nerdy you want to get, but there, there's a website. If you <laughs> this just is Google a political podcast, so
0: we're, we're buried in nerd <laughs> if, you, if you Google,
1: uh, home run tracker. There's a wonderful website that tracks distance of every home run hit in baseball. And, uh, if you look at mooses, it's just funny. Like all the Kauffman stadium home runs are on top because you have to hit right, it that right. much, that much further. And you know, if he goes, think about if he signs in at Boston, you know, um, the Yankees I mean you know there, there's some places with some sh- some short porches and I think he's more likely to go to LA or something like that after the season but anyway but he's going to be in uh, you know some smaller parks and he's going to hit some home runs in his career yeah
0: okay we're almost out of time and I appreciate you giving us the time yeah no this uh, is l- fun l- let's r- wrap up with something you wrote which I think is the one of the best things I've read in years which is we don't owe this team anything yeah you know we I, it's amazing how and maybe it's because there are Royals fans who may be a little shorter term than certainly I am. I mean, I, you know, I was out at Royal Stadium the day it opened, so uh-huh. I mean that uh-huh. I've been around for a while, <laughs> yeah. and I've watched great teams and crap teams. Uh-huh. I used to watch the A's over on on uh, Brooklyn Avenue. Really, but, crap but teams. The, oh yeah, no, they were horrible. My dad had season tickets, but but um, but we don't. owe – I mean, this team has given us more than I think any of us really ever. Yeah. Expected two World Series, winning one of them. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you don't – if they decide – I think people say, oh, come on, Eric, give us a little hometown discount. Or yeah. They don't owe us anything. No, they? not – yeah, not at all. This, uh, What the
1: Royals did – first of all, look it up, a, a list of the teams that have been to multiple World Series in the last 5, 10, 15 years. It's a very short list. Um, now, look up – uh, the small market teams that have won a World Series in the last twenty five years, and it's an incredibly small list. Depending on how you view the the right, Marlins, right. what the Marlins did, however you want to view that, um, they're the only one that's even close since the nineteen ninety Reds. Right. That team was so long ago that Ken Griffey Sr. was on that team. Yeah. That I
0: mean, <laughs> that it just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen, and um, particularly the, in the contemporary game. Yes, and particularly because. Small markets have to wait and do almost everything right or get very lucky or maybe a combination of the
1: both. The margin for error is really small. Um, it, it's just Which we're
0: learning them. now. You know, I think yep. that's what's so fascinating about last year's Royals team and this year's team is it isn't appreciably different than the World Series team. You've still got the same players, but the margin between being a World Series champion and a 500 team yeah it, it, you know it's two or three games a month yeah and it's yes and it it's, people don't realize that you know that it's a guy being 30 instead of 28 precisely it's uh it, it's the defense the bat a microsecond slower mm-hmm. the you know the first to uh, third just a you know half a second slower yeah people don't get that it's the defense being merely great instead of spectacular um, it, the bullpen it, merely great instead of just yeah. uh, you know historically good.
1: Oh my God, yeah. And, and that bullpen, this is actually something I think I'm going to write this week. But that, I mean, that bullpen spoiled everybody. You know, yes. and and look, the you know Kelvin Herrera needs to be better than he's been, but I still believe in Kelvin Herrera. Um, but that I mean, that's they got to the point where if they were just tied. After five or six innings, they you were going to win it, that you game. put it in the book. Because you put these freaks in there that are going to strike everybody out throwing, yeah. you know, 94-mile-an-hour cutters yeah. and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's look, in 2006, in June of 2006, when Dayton Moore took over – um, if if you would have told Royals fans um, you're just going to make the playoffs a couple times with this guy, people would have you're signed in. up. If you would have said you're going to make one World Series, people would have freaked out. If right. you would have said you're going to win one, you know, the, well, the, but the not results, only that,
0: but you're going to have the comeback against the A's. That's oh the, yeah, the, the way they did it, spectacular. Yep. The Astros eighth yep. inning, which oh you know, one for the books. Yep. and the recovery against the the Blue Jays in Game Two of the, uh, the yeah. series in 2015. I mean. He, I know, I do, and I know other people who routinely, nothing going on, let's go to YouTube and watch, yeah. you know, the 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 fifth game of the World Series uh-huh. or whatever. I mean, it's, it's really a, an achievement you can relive over and over and over.
1: And, yes, and besides just the success, like just the, you know, 95 wins and a world championship in 2015 and all that, I think the most important I, – I, maybe people are going to think this is corny but i believe it in my heart and my mind and my soul that the most important thing that the royals have done in the last 5 and 10 years is they have literally changed the way that baseball is watched and digested and thought about in Kansas City no for question. a generation no question for an absolute generation i mean for from 19 from the strike until 2012 or 13 it was baseball was a joke here and you know the one the one season that anybody had was 2003 which one of, the, one of the biggest flukes that we've ever had—that that team was over 500. If right, you look at the guys right. that were on the team, no right. offense to any of them, but that that team stunk. <laughs> that team stunk, and that team only won 83 games. Right. They, they finished in third or fourth place, and or everybody like that. thought and it was like, a oh miracle for the you know? century. Yeah, because right, they right. were in first place in August, and then kind of realized where they were and fell off. I mean, just the, the way that there's actual good players here that you know kids can have a Sal Perez jersey and know that you know a, a first grader can buy a Sal Perez jersey now, and Sal Perez is only. Been with the Royals in his lifetime, and Sal Perez will be with the Royals when he's in fifth grade or sixth right, grade. I mean, right, the right. value in that is well, is, the, and, is and really the other value
0: too. is that Kansas Cityans were reminded that baseball, more than other sports, can be a pastime. It's a mm-hmm. you know, football is a social occasion on you know, college yeah. football on a Saturday, or let's have you know, chili and tacos for the Chiefs. But the rhythm of baseball is a game every night, uh-huh. something to occupy you every night, something to talk about the next morning. In the, in the fallow years for the Royals, nobody talked about them the next yes. morning. Nobody watched. Nobody cared. Now we are reminded that it can be just a joy just to relive the June 12th you know, mm-hmm. game or whatever it is. I That's believe, important for a community.
1: I, I absolutely. I, I believe that a community, fans get to know a baseball team in a way that they can't get to know a football team because of the everyday stuff that you mentioned. Um, you just spend so much time right listening, watching, reading, thinking, talking about a baseball team, and and look like uh, neither one of us want to discount what if the Chiefs ever win a Super oh, Bowl, like what that would not. be like. But it's different. It, I just I really believe that the, all the stuff that people um, sometimes you know talk trash about with baseball that it's slow. There's too mu- there's too much time between action, all that stuff. All that stuff that can be a negative about baseball when you have a good team becomes right the, the most important well, it becomes the most important thing because now you you're anticipating every one of those pitches instead of oh what, right. what's he gonna throw too well right. it's like oh my gosh is he yeah, I give mean him a the basketball?
0: greatest reaction to me after the Royals won the World Series was the joy of course in winning it and then the sadness, no more games to watch. You know, we don't what are no. we gonna do with our time? Yeah. We've been watching the games literally for six months. Yeah. Yep. That's 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 an, a special feeling. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. All right, yep. Sam. So uh, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, yeah, this to, is fun. Any to time. trade places a little yeah. bit. Yeah. I, I do want to talk about uh, someday or write about. I'm trying to get this past the editorial board editor. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm there yet. About the the hypocrisy of collegiate sports. If you no, want no. to talk about, mm-hmm. I mean. We could spend hours talking about no my frustrations with the way college sports run. But that is a deep background for another day. It is. Thanks, I'll be here. Thanks again for joining us. Sam yeah, thanks Mell- for having me. Sam Mellinger with the Star. I'm Dave Helling. Thanks again for listening. Tell your friends about the podcast. For now, you have been on Deep Background.